0: How you doing? Good to see you. Well, I've been, uh, I've been talking to family and friends uh, back in Britain over, over the last 24 hours and the whole nation has gone completely crazy. Uh, the reasons for this are twofold. First of all, they have had 80 degree sunshine and blue skies every day for a whole week. Can you believe that? This is almost like an eschatological sign of the end times. It's quite remarkable. Uh, the other thing centres around a particular lady. Does anyone, anyone recognise this lady's photograph you recognise? Yeah. For those of you who are wondering why we are applauding this person, uh, that is Susan Boyle, and uh, she has been competing in a competition called Britain's Got Talent, uh, 100 million hits on the website uh, so far, And last night was the final. And do you want to know the result? Uh, She lost. She lost. However, um, she came second. However, she has already been awarded uh, $15 million in contracts, which I do believe might slightly soften the blow. (laughs) So, there you go. Well, Britain's Got Talent is the name of one TV show, another one you might be familiar with is The Biggest Loser. Anyone ever seen The Biggest Loser? You were scanning through looking for Christian television and that... <laughs> well, that's the title for this morning's message as we continue to think about beauty and brokenness, The Biggest Loser. And as we're going to see together today, the Apostle Paul, as he writes in Philippians chapter 3 was, in a sense, the biggest loser. So let's take a look together. Philippians 3 and verse 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish, That I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. You know, there are so many things that I find uh, so enjoyable and I so appreciate about being in America. You may take them for granted, but coming in and out as I do Uh, Just everyday, ordinary things that I am so glad about. Mexican food, for example. What a beautiful thing that is. I just love Mexican food. We have Mexican food in in England. It's terrible. It's horrible. It's hideous. Uh, And when I first came to America, um, I I just fell in love with Mexican food, even though I could not pronounce um, any of the dishes. I still enjoyed ordering enchiladas and... Burritos were a particular favourite of mine. I really, I like Mexican food. I love Krispy Kreme donuts. Any Krispy Kreme fans here? Raise your hand. Come forward right now for ministry. Krispy Kreme donuts. I love. We've we got it in England now. But I love cruise control. And the cruise control, a beautiful thing. You can you can just press that button and you can cruise along the highway, I 25 at 74.999 miles per hour. What a fabulous thing. I I, I love Krispy Kremes, Mexican food, cruise control. It's great, but it's terrible for Christianity is cruise control. You know but you just you just cruise along. You say this is kind of a boring illustration and I'm kind of going to keep you here for an hour or so just doing this because that kind of Christianity is really boring. You see, God's intention for us is not that we be on cruise control, but that we grow up in our faith. So, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 4, Speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head that is Christ. In 1 Peter, 1 Peter 2, verses 2 and 3, Like newborn babies crave spiritual, pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Second Peter 3.18 But grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And so it's really clear. Sometimes people say, I don't know what God's will is for my life. Well, I don't know the details, but I know this. It is God's will that all of us grow up. The question is, are we? And how do you know? I mean, I, knowing I'm, I was going to preach this, I, I've been wrestling with that question this week. Am I growing in my faith? You say, well, you must be. You're a pastor. Well, I, I, I'm going to be really honest with you. In fact, lean forward slightly. This is kind of confidential, so lean, lean forward. Some of you are saying, I will not lean forward. This is America. I am free to assume the posture of my choice. Get over it. Lean forward, right? Lean forward. (laughs) I'm not sure. I don't think it's an easy question to answer. Yes, I am growing. And it's a question that is ongoing in my own life. Because, you see, I can't take out a tape measure or step on some weighing scales... And see a readout that says, yeah, you're growing. Uh, I've been been trying to lose about five or six pounds. No, I hear you cry. There is no need. (laughs) And what's been really irritating me is that I've been working out and I've been eating healthy. But I've been putting weight on. And you see, you're right, sir. Someone just spontaneously, they couldn't control themselves at the front here. And I understand, as you see this physique seated before you, he just shouted out, muscle, spontaneously. I know you had to cry that. Because I was standing in front of the mirror the other day and I thought, it's muscle. Would you please laugh at the right places, people? Because muscle weighs more than fat, and because I am so ripped... This is getting really silly. You see, the weighing scales are not a precise science. I can't put a tape measure around my waist in order to establish my spirituality. Am I growing? I don't know. And I don't want to give a quick answer to a question that might take some pondering. So let's think for a while together about growing up in our faith. Because... The Apostle Paul, writing to the Philippians, he's talking about growing, about moving forward. And he has some really helpful things to say. First of all, let's know that if we are going to grow, we need to be losing the past. Our past religion, our past shame. I'll explain that in a second, but as we look at the text, the church in Philippi had been infiltrated by some Judaizers. These were These were false teachers who were insisting that the Christians follow the Jewish rules and regulations in order to be saved. And so in that context, the Apostle Paul writes about his own history. So look with me at verse 1. Finally, my brothers, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Now, when I was small, my parents told me two things about growing up. I don't know whether you had the same advice. They told me that if I wanted to be able to see in the dark, which is a very helpful attribute, then I had to eat carrots. That's right, that's an international thing. And if I wanted to grow big and strong, then I had to eat my... We have spinach and we have Krispy Kremes. This is becoming like an interactive thing here, you know. The right answer is broccoli. Maybe in England, yeah where we also eat steak and kidneys, So that's a sick culture, right? If you want to see in the dark, eat carrots, they said. If you want to grow big and strong, eat broccoli. Paul is saying, here's, here's two things about growing. Number one, don't live in yesterday's successes. Do not live, don't glory in the past. Paul did really well. I, I, I have his file here uh, of, of past successes. And uh, you know what? It really is. Let's have a look at this. This really is rather impressive. Uh, born a Jew, verse five. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. Paul is Paul is saying here, um, I, I, I wasn't a Jewish convert. No, I was I was um, I was born into this. So let's just check that. That's that's really very good. Uh, born into a very excellent Jewish family of the tribe of Benjamin. Uh, the, Benjamin was the only son born of Jacob in the Promised Land. It was a, a tribe of honour in Israel that gave Israel uh, her first king. So check, that's that's pretty good in terms of your heritage, Paul. Uh, oh, yeah, and a Hebrew born of Hebrews. So he's a real Jew born of authentic Jewish parents. That's rather impressive. And, and then look at this. Wow, this this is good. He's a Pharisee. Now, the Pharisees were the big experts in the law. They had thousands of rules and regulations. Uh, They had rules about whether it was okay to pray while you're up a tree. I'm serious, I'm not making this up. They had regulations about um, if your wife burned a meal, could you divorce her? I wouldn't comment on that right now, whoever you are. Um, They even had a rule about if you were making bread while naked and you wanted to use that bread as an offering, was that bread unclean? That, that one's been worrying me personally for quite a while, I've got to tell you. <laughs> you know what? This, this, this folder is, is really pretty impressive. Successes, past, history. And Paul says something shocking. You're about to be shocked. He says, I treat it as rubbish. Terrible translation there in verse 8. The word uh, is Kabbalah. Uh, which means human excrement, only a more graphic word used to describe that. And uh, this is shocking stuff. By the way, that's an ancient tradition, to use shocking language to make your point. And um, the word dung there is a softening of the idea, if indeed I may use the term softening in this particular (laughs) context. Can't believe I said that. And the Apostle... And if you're a little shocked by that, I'm just trying to give you the sense of the text. I'm dancing around it a bit, but Paul's using some pretty loaded language, and he says, "My past success is—I've uh, I've got a way of dealing with that. I dump it. It's done. Are you growing? Well, yeah. I, I used—I remember when. No, no, that's not the question." I remember that big step of faith that I took. You know, that's not the question. I I come from a really good Christian family, you know. That's not the question. What about now? And and then Paul has another folder. And we're still on that first point here, but that's his past failures. This is... uh, this is harrowing reading as for zeal persecuting the church Acts chapter 6 and verse 7 Stephen was being executed and Paul was there giving approval to his death a persecutor a murderer oh, oh this is not this is not good Galatians Galatians chapter 1 where the apostle Paul uh, describes his past and uh, he says he says, you heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. This is bad. What's in here if it's got your name on? If you don't, if you don't deal with that, you'll never grow now because you'll always define yourself by your worst moment. And you'll write off anything good about you, like Michelangelo, who did pretty good. How many know the art? He was kind of A plus. Sistine Chapel, Creation Day. And he came down one day from the scaffold, having had a tough day, and he wrote in his journal, I am not a painter, because he was paralyzed by the difficulty of that day. And you are too, if you walk around with your history constantly dominating your present. And the Apostle Paul says, I tell you what I'm doing with that. I'm dumping it. Because I want to grow now. We saw earlier about great failures like Lucille Ball and Ulysses Grant and Thomas Edison. Growing is making sure that we do not lean on our successes or be paralyzed by our failures but that we are choosing to grow today. Second point, and okay, listen really carefully here because there is an error in your bulletin and you need to follow along with me. If you already spotted this, you possibly win the new car, but let me just help you. Where it says two there, cross out two and put three. That's the third point. Point number two is missing. So cross out, scratch out number two, put number three. And now at the bottom of the page, let me give you the second point. We all got that little intelligence test that we just deliberately set up there. A little primzing error. Finding our purpose is the second point, knowing Christ today. Finding our purpose, knowing Christ today. Look at verse 10. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Now, That seems kind of easy. Do you know Jesus? That seems like an easy question. Actually, it's not an easy question if we understand some of the complexities here. In the Old Testament, there was a word used in the Hebrew to describe knowing Yada, to know personally and intimately. Yada is. The same word that is used in the Old Testament to even describe sexual intimacy. In other words, Adam knew his wife. Knowing, in Hebrew thinking, is personal, it's intimate, it's not knowing about, it is, it is knowing intimately. Okay, well then the Hebrew Old Testament encountered Greek culture, the whole thing was translated And follow me if you will, because this is quite important for a number of reasons. Yadah, intimate knowing, was translated into the Hebrew ganoskin, which means to intellectually look at as an object of scrutiny. Massive shift. We've just gone from intimacy to analysis. We've just gone from relationship to concept, but it gets even worse than that. Because you see, the Greeks, in their logic, they use something known as step logic. It's what most of us rationally operate with. The light is red, therefore I must stop. That's step logic. And so the Greeks use step logic where you argue from a various series excuse me, from a series of premises to a logical, rational conclusion. That is Greek logic. But the Hebrews used block logic. And block logic is where you have an idea, it is true, and here, over here is another idea, and this is true, but they sit in separate blocks. They're not built on steps. They exist in separate blocks. That's The Hebrew thinking so suddenly paradox and mystery and contradiction becomes okay in faith. Have you ever met a Christian and some one of their ideas collapses and their whole faith collapses like a deck of cards? Hebrew knowing God is about trusting Him, knowing Him, and knowing Him and embracing mystery and contradiction. And if you don't think faith is about mystery, let's try the doctrine of the Trinity for starters. And if that doesn't blow a fuse in your brain, how about the idea of the pre-existent Jesus who eternally has been becoming a tiny speck in a 16 or 17 year old virgin's womb. If you can get your head around that. Suddenly though, The mysteries and complexities of faith with block Hebrew logic become okay. I don't understand everything about life and faith, and that's all right because I am knowing Him in the midst of that trust. Paul says, I want to know Christ. And it may be that you find yourself in that place of contradictions right now. And it isn't that God doesn't want you to grow in your understanding or your wisdom, but you may, I know, be called to trust him when you can't figure it all out. Paul says, don't rely on your past, know Christ today. Well, the third thing, the third point, is about measuring our progress. Do you remember earlier, at the beginning of this message, I told you, That I am asking the question, am I growing in faith? It's cheap. It's too easy to just say yes. But here the Apostle Paul gives us a way of measuring our progress. There are some hints here. Look at verses 10 through 14. He says, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I've already obtained this or have already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that. By the way, pause for a moment, press on there. That is a Greek hunting word. How many hunters do we have here? Any hunters? Raise your hand if you're a hunter. God bless. That's great. I've, tr- I've tried that. You could, hear, you could hear the deer laughing in the woods. It was not a... Success. Paul says, I press on, he's like a hunter going after their prey, to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Question, am I growing spiritually? I'm saying it again, it's not easy to figure that out. Sometimes do you feel like me? I I feel like Charlie Brown in the Peanuts cartoon. Have you seen that that cartoon where Charlie stops by uh, Lucy, she has a stall and it's got 5 cents for psychological advice written on the stall. And uh, she says to Charlie, she says Charlie, some people do life with their deck chair at the front of the ship so that they can see where they're going. And others put their deck chair at the back of the ship, so they can see where they've been. Wow, says Charlie, bewildered. I can't even get the deck chair unfolded. Now, I really like that. (laughs) I like that. All of that said, and realising that spiritual growth is not a straight line. I wish it was, you know. I am planning this year to climb a 14er. And I'm kind of reading about that and thinking about that. I wish spiritual growth was like that. Yeah, you just start at 10,000 and you go up to 14 and that's it. In fact, I I think that spiritual growth is more like a dance than it is a march. And there are times when we find ourselves spinning around and covering the same ground and learning the same lessons. But there are some markers here that might indicate to us whether we are growing or not. One of them, first of all, is endurance in suffering. Uh, Paul is talking about maturity and look at this, verse 10. He talks about enduring suffering, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. He uses this endurance sport running motif that is a a favourite of his and he's letting us know the one way of realising that we're growing spiritually is how we do when life is tough. Trouble is, are you like me? I wish when life got tough that God had sent me a fax to let me know. One of the things I love about living in Colorado is that I can see where it's raining elsewhere. You notice that? I drove home the other night. I said to my wife, look honey, it's raining over there. I think it might be coming our way. I wish life was like that. I think rain's coming in. And I wish I knew when it was going to end. Some of you know I I, I had a root canal this week. Fun, fun, fun. Thinking about taking that up as a hobby. That was really cool. (laughs) The gentleman who did my root canal, I am now one of his greatest fans. Not only did he do a fabulous job, but he gave me a shot and then he said these beautiful words. He gave me the shot and he said, that's the worst I'm going to do to you today. And I thought, you know what, I just want to kiss him, but it's inappropriate. <laughs> what a joy to know. That's as bad as it's going to get. And I put my headphones on, and I watched CNN, and he put like a huge pneumatic drill in my face, and it was fun. But I knew that the worst was over. I wish I wish life was like that. I wish God had say, y- you've gone through the worst stuff. But the Apostle Paul does not know that, and yet a mark of his maturity is that he is still hunting, he is still pursuing, even in the place of suffering. I want to say to some of you, I look around here, I've got friends in this room who've gone through incredible valleys of suffering, and I want you to know that your maturity is not measured by how many Bible verses you know, but by the faithfulness that you express to Jesus in the valley of the shadow of death. That's maturity. Of course we need to understand the Bible. Don't take that comment out of context and say, you say we don't need to know Bible verses. Of course we do. But it's not just about gathering information. It's about expressing faithfulness in the tough times. Another sign of maturity is humility of heart, knowing that you haven't arrived. Paul says, look at this, verse 12, not that I've already obtained this or have already been made perfect. Now that's fascinating because as a legalist, he thought that he had arrived. Verse 6, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But now as an apprentice of Jesus, verse 13, he says, Brothers, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. You know what a sign of maturity is? A sign of maturity is that you know that you haven't yet arrived. Henri Nuon says, he who thinks that he has finished, is finished. Those who think that they've arrived, have lost their way. Those who think they have reached their goal, have missed it. A sign of maturity is endurance in suffering, and a sign of maturity is knowing that you haven't yet arrived. Brothers, I've not got there yet. Do we know our weaknesses? Do we know our limitations? We know what we're good at. Do we know what we're not good at? I used to I used to I used to be a Christian singer and a black belt karate member This is a very interactive service I recorded a 45 minute live concert on radio playing my own songs, accompanying myself on the guitar. Do you know how ugly that was? Somebody came to me afterwards. They said, Jeff, the singing thing, it's not not at your best. And so singing, together with my malmodelling career, came to an end. (laughs) Just kidding, Okay. That continues. No, no. (laughs) Do we know what we're not good at? Oh, bless God! I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, which is a scripture, but we take it out of context, because I cannot fly without an airplane, play the bassoon, or operate as a brain surgeon. I know what I can't do. And humility is a sign of maturity. Having a sense of calling is another sign of maturity. Look at what Paul says in verse 12. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Paul is aware that Jesus grabbed his life because he had purposes for Paul's life. Can I ask this question? And don't panic if you don't know the answer yet. Do you know your purpose on the earth? Do you know what you're called to do? I, I've talked about questions that I don't know the answer to. I think I I know that one about me. You know what my mission statement is for my writing, for radio, for Timberline, for everything. I know what my my purpose in life is: this, to nudge the church forward with a smile. That's what I'm about. I don't want to rant at the church. I want to smile because I'm part, I'm part of the beauty and the ugliness of the church. But I know my purpose in life and everything I do has to fit that. Am I nudging the church forward? That doesn't mean I can't be intentionally serious. But I want to nudge the church forward with a warmth of attitude. That's my... That's, that's my if, if, you want to, if I die and you want to write something on my tombstone, apart from I told you I was sick, I would like you... Where did that come from? (laughs) Put, he nudged us forward with a smile. That's that's what Jesus got a hold of me for. And I believe it's a question we should answer. What's my primary purpose on this earth? Again, don't panic if you don't know, but ask the question. And then maturity is remembering to forget. Look at verse 13. One thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead. Did you know... That part of Christian maturity is forgetting. 2 Peter 1 talks about the believer who is nearsighted and blind, I quote, and has forgotten that he has been cleansed from his past sins. A sign of Christian maturity is the ability to accept God's forgiveness. By the way, in Bible terminology, forgetting doesn't mean it slips your mind doesn't mean some kind of amnesia. That's not what the Bible means when it says forgetting. Forgetting, biblically, is not about something slipping your mind. God doesn't say in Hebrews 10, and their sins and iniquities I will forget. No, he says this. Listen, he says, their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. That is intentionally deciding that my history will not dom- dominate my present. I choose It's not that I forgot what I did. I choose not to remember in the sense of it not dominating me. Maturity is remembering to forget. And then finally, maturity is having an eternal perspective as well. Look at Paul, verse 14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. And verse 20. But our citizenship is in heaven and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul is saying you are citizens of heaven. Now, you know, don't you, I am not a citizen of the United States of America. I kind of, I think, I'm thinking about it. I, I'd, I'd quite like to be. I think that's a tremendous privilege. You know, I, I've showed you this before. I am a resident alien here. There, there is my, that's the card that launched my modeling career right there. That is what is known in America as a green card. There it is, a green card. Now, do you notice that it's blue? But that's the joy of freedom, isn't it? You want to call it green? Call it green. It's a beautiful thing. But you see, that's not my primary identity. You know my... you know your primary... Primary there, you can't speak. Your primary identity is not American. That's not first and foremost who you are. And if that's what you think you are, you're wrong. You say, boy, that's kind of tough from a Brit. Well, I'm going to say it again. If you think your primary identity is in the US of A, you are wrong. And if I think my primary identity is British and afternoon tea at 4pm and the Queen and all that stuff, I am wrong. My primary identity, our primary identity is citizens of the Kingdom of Heaven in Jesus Christ. Neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, American or Brit. We are all one in Christ Jesus. But this is not this is not kingdom escapism I'm going to go to heaven one day. Well, we we are going to be in heaven although technically heaven's coming to us because the new Jerusalem is coming down and there'll be a new heavens and a new earth and we don't treat heaven as an escape clause but rather as the Philippians were a colony of heaven in Philippi. So we are called to be a colony of heaven in northern Colorado. A sign of maturity is knowing that that is your perspective and your primary identity. Are we growing? We are going to pray. But not only are we going to pray, but we're going to put a question ourselves perhaps to God. Let's pray together. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for the vision that we have here of the Apostle Paul, pursuing like a hunter, pursuing his prey, pursuing Jesus, leaving successes behind, leaving failures behind. Let's pause in our prayers and with our heads bowed. I wonder how many of us say instinctively, yeah, I... I must be growing because I remember when. And we rely on our glorious history. It's not our history that matters. It's what's happening now. Yeah, I'm fine. I come from a good Christian family. And Paul says, I'm a Hebrew of Hebrews and it goes in the dumpster. It's who we are now. Some of us today paralyzed by our huge file of past failures. We came in here today carrying that file. Are we going to allow Jesus to help us to trash that? Lord, teach us how to remember no more as you remember our sins no more. Save us from the paralysis of the shame that would stop our growth. We ask the question, do we know Christ? We pray especially, Lord, for those who are knowing you this week in the midst of paradox and mystery. Things that contradict that they don't they just don't understand. They can't figure it out. Or maybe things about faith and about you that we just don't quite get. By the way, while our heads are I wonder if if you're in that place, you say, Wow, that's exactly where I am. I I'm at a place where I just don't understand right now. Would you slip your hand up, please, so I can just invite you to join in, engage with this prayer if that's where you're at? Thank mm-hmm. you. You can Here in the South Auditorium, you can put your hands down. Lord, for those who live hemmed in by question marks, would you be with them? And then, Lord, we want to bring a question to you. It's a question that we ask ourselves, but it's one that we need to bring to you. Am I growing, Lord? Would you cut through any self-deception that there might be? And Would you show me if I'm growing? Not just now, but this week, this month. Show me. Why don't you ask Jesus that question yourself in these seconds? We're going to have one final prayer. Can I invite you to stand, please, if you're uh, you're able? And uh, we're going to have a prayer. Apparently it's, it's, going to be a, it's going to be a beautiful weekend and I, I just can't wait uh, to go into this weekend with this uh, fabulous new fashion accessory that I, that I have. Uh, I mean, how, how ridiculous would it be if I, if I insisted that um, for the next three or four days uh, the dumpster's coming with me? I mean, you're, you're going to have to help me get out of here because me and the dumpster can't get through the door in one go. Now, let's just stop using words for a moment, but take a mental snapshot of the absurdity of this. The dumpster and me, hopefully we clash. So don't walk out of here with the dumpster in tow. And, and, and don't do this. Where is that? I know it. It's in here. Oh yeah, thank you. But our closing prayer is this week God may we go in grace in Jesus' name. Amen. And all the people said God bless you. Have a great weekend. Our prayer team are here if we can pray with you. We would love to do that. Enjoy the sunshine. God bless you.